0: You're listening to the Rat Podcast. Explore wealth. A
1: different model, a different way, different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Parts of the country of 24-7, seven days a week. I was just done with the gurus if somebody gives me thirty to $50,000, that should be a lifetime relationship for Podcast Nation. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you succeed. So we're going to get to it here pretty quickly. So we're going to go through some really good content. I think there's a lot of stuff going on in the marketplace right now that's, that's very relevant and very real. Um, and, you know, we're, we're analyzing deals um about six different marketplaces on a daily basis on top of the farms that we're buying and you know feel free to write down questions while I'm going through uh the information and content for tonight um why we're buying how we're choosing how we're buying the stuff we're going to be going through tonight I think being able to have a system um for knowing where to buy when to buy how to buy I think is really important and so today's you know just phase one um of an information stack that we'll continue to to give all of you as, as we continue to do this and you know, one of Rad's commitments is, one of our core statements was, you know, out to, out to give more information away to our investors um, than you could pay for anywhere else in the world, right? my team, I can see them with the clickers working fast and furious muting. Um, they'll get through all those, those mutes in a minute as we went from 40 to 100 to 200 people on here. They're, they're keeping up quick. And so, you know, I wanted to come out with a series on just evaluating and choosing property. I think whether it's investors or um, people who invest with us or first time investors, you know, really knowing in a marketplace like this, the difference between a property that's going to appreciate between 5% or a property that's going to appreciate 25%, you know, in the next 12 months is, is very important. Because if you don't know the difference, you don't know what to buy. Yeah, I think it's very report. easy to buy in a downturn market and say, hey, this property's twenty, thirty, forty 20, 30, 40% under market value and i'm going to go and make this purchase it's a lot harder to make an investment decision when it feels like everything you're buying is is almost retail or close to retail and so knowing the difference between the two is really important but i also think that you in this economy and in this marketplace you're looking at what real estate agents are trying to get you to do you're looking at what what People are trying to get you to make decisions, right? And so there's certain things that we, we make decisions about. Like I talk to my acquisition guys and gals out there every single day, and I say hey to them. I say, hey, don't negotiate against yourself. Like agents will try and get you to up your offer when you're making offers. And I always say make an agent do a counteroffer. It's just one of many, many different tips that I think is critical when you're buying in today's marketplace. Because if an agent isn't willing to do a counteroffer to you, then you can't lock them in for a buyer, a purchase, and if, and if you counteroffer, you're actually negotiating against yourself as an investor when you're offering against your own offer. And so, you know, it's just one of those fundamental rules that when you're in this marketplace and everything is going up in value and everything is going up in price very rapidly, it's kind of like, how do you analyze things? How do you determine between A, B, C, and D? <coughs> so get, getting to, you know, the, the slides for tonight, you know, location is huge. And we've done this from the very beginning that location is one of our most fundamental, important concepts. Um, those of you here listening tonight, when you're listening to me talk about location, you're, you're listening to someone who's done a $120 million portfolio um, with basically 100% return during the last two and a half years. And, and so think about that experience and background for choosing how we do things, I want you to understand where that's coming from. You know I flipped my first house um, over a decade ago with no money no credit. um, didn't really even know what credit was and and started from scratch and so building this portfolio with my investors building upon from little to no experience to being a seasoned. investor with that's done over 100 million dollars actually currently owns over 100 million dollars in real estate with my investors to get to 100 million dollars we own i'm sure we've done I don't know. Hundreds of millions of dollars of total real estate since the very beginning. And so to me, when you start with the fundamental core
2: of real estate,
1: it's about knowing where to buy. And so when I talk about this, this is this is step one. And so let's talk about landmarks. When you're choosing location and valuation, the easiest landmark in any city is the downtown. And that's the first landmark you see. And downtown is always surrounded by a shell. And usually in that core downtown, things are highly valuable, right? Now, other types of uh, landmarks are hospitals, libraries, stadiums, and anything that is has significant name to it within a city, because all valuation comes out of those landmarks. And those landmarks are surrounded by lots of different aspects to, to decide what the value is. Now, any core landmark kind of has some different things that are a part of it, and one is. The landmark itself is usually highly valuable, like a downtown or a named location, like a Greenwich or a Beverly Hills or um, the Galleria in in Houston, right? So there's different types of values. And so these are things that are growing 10, 20% in value. When you look at a a city and you see something where everything seems, there's a reason why stuff is more valuable and reason why it's appreciated at a much faster rate. When you look at stuff whether it's a 60 or $100,000 value in a city there's a reason why those neighborhoods aren't appreciating and aren't growing. incredibly fast, and so, as we look at our landmarks we always want to say around any major landmark there's always a Shell around that and. downtown is a core Shell is usually surrounded by a not highly valuable area it's usually a depreciating or kind of stagnant area where working class people used to always drive into downtowns and drive into cities, and so as you look at that landmark, you decide, you know, how are values growing, how are values adapting, how are values changing. Now, lots of times people think a landmark and they get all excited like a hospital. And when they see a hospital like well, I want to buy next to that hospital because everything's going to become incredibly more valuable next to a hospital. That's not always true. On the one side of a hospital is a valley right and we call that a highly appreciating market. And on the other side of a hospital, there's what we call the desert. And the desert's a much more stagnant, slower marketplace. And so when you're evaluating where to buy or where to invest, you have to understand the difference between the valley and the desert. Now, that core landmark, everybody always wants to go there. Now, what's changing in today's marketplace, which is very different during the COVID times and then post-COVID times, is when things got difficult, like during pandemics, during famines, during economic reasons, people always moved to the cities. Now, during this time, location has changed forever because the first time in the history of our lives, people are moving out of the city and they're quickly moving to suburbs. But not only are they moving to suburbs, they're moving to other locations based more on lifestyle than they are moving based on jobs. And that's kind of the first time in our lifetimes we've ever seen a change in population migration. And we're going back to You know, ancient European history um, and 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 how people migrate during during turbulent times, and so this is something that's very different right now. William Bowers, we can see you don't have your shirt on, so you might want to put your shirt on brother just giving 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 you a hard time. I'm sorry I got a lot of cameras here and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, this is the first time we've ever set up the training and the education, so that I can see a 100 of you all at the same time and so. Staying very focused on the materials, very, very different. My team set up a really cool setup to be able to engage, engage, engage all of you. But um, then there's the low appreciation, right? We were talking about the desert. And so like a couple years ago, <coughs> I said to my brother, Dory, I said, look, in Philadelphia, which is one of our markets, I said, every single property that's here that we're buying for 40, dollars $60,000 is going to be worth $100,000, $120,000 in two years. And he said, well, that's, that's an insane return. You're talking almost a 30 to 50% return per year for them to grow that much in value. Well, our low appreciating marketplaces occurred because of um, racism and the holding back of, of people of, of different diversity or different backgrounds, right? African-Americans and other minorities and American. In America. A lot of people are like, well, Dutch, you know, I didn't get on here for a political conversation. It's not a political, it's just history, Right. In the 1980s um african americans struggled to get government-backed loans well what developed in a lot of those communities was a cash marketplace well when properties are bought and sold for cash what you have is, is is a marketplace where the values don't grow nearly as fast what's happening now and what happened in the late 80s 90s even in the 2000s right as you saw the the minority neighborhoods start to transition and change but what because of loans. And so it's kind of like when a used car salesman or a car salesman wants to sell someone a car, they don't usually sell them on what the top dollar is. They try to sell them on what the monthly payment is. And so it's the same with living. The reason somebody wants to rent versus buy lots of times has to do with what the monthly payment is or what people can monthly afford. Not to get super political, but for our government not to understand that raising interest rates does not help the average everyday person, it only helps them work more. I mean, hurts them because they can't afford less, right? Your, your home buyers can afford less because of higher interest rates. And so there's gonna be less home buying. Less home buying help the market. It does not help real estate. I don't know where in the history of economics doing less um, transactions, less volume of sales has ever been, a good, ever been a good thing. So raising interest rates is not something that was ever gonna help the economy or gonna ever ever gonna help the consumer. And where it hurts the most is in working class America, right, blue collar neighborhoods. And so not only did they start behind the eight ball. And what I mean behind the eight ball, they started with a cash marketplace in those neighborhoods. And then that cash marketplace is now 20, 30 right years behind neighborhoods that have been 20 through 30 years of getting loans and and those properties growing in value. And so what happened across the country a few years back was they said that hey lenders weren't going to lend on something worth less than a hundred thousand dollars if it was less than a hundred thousand dollars investors weren't going to be able to get a loan on it and so i realized very quickly that across the country that any market or any neighborhood that where investors were investing that had properties that were worth less 100 were going to be quickly get to the valuation of a 100 and so low appreciating neighborhoods are always going to appreciate slower higher appreciation neighborhoods are typically going to um continue to appreciate at a much more rapid pace and so as you're analyzing where you're going to invest where you're going to deals you have to make decisions now in a hyperinflation economy i'm buying more in those highly appreciation neighborhoods than i am in the low appreciation neighborhoods because i'm taking advantage of the equity that's being created by a 10 20 25 percent increase in value on on properties now in an economic recession or a lower a real estate market that is stagnated i'm going to buy more in a lower appreciation neighborhood because it's going to have higher cash flow and so i'm going to focus on that higher cash on cash return and so making your decision about. A versus B isn't necessarily what's better it's it's depends on what the marketplace is or what your strategy is and what's the you know most important bottom line. For me, I'm always working to put as much capital to work as I can both my money and bank's money at the same time, so I love using. Those highly appreciating neighborhoods, but if we were in a recession, I might completely make a different decision and switch strategies and focus more on a cash flow cash flow strategy which would hit more of the low the low appreciation and so you know. You can see this picture kind of starts to give you a little bit of an idea of what 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 city maps start to look at and and you see how things continue to grow. I've also done a, a, a whiteboard um, on our YouTube channel on location where I go through specifically this location conversation. So just make sure you know, you're following us, you're staying up to date on things that are going because as the market is shifting or the market is changing, we're adapting our content and information based, based on what's going, going on. Now, <clears throat> you can see how at first you just had a downtown. Now you add in a hospital and you start to change because you have two landmarks. And so that area right there between the downtown and the hospital is an area that can be massively growing in value because you have two landmarks. That are intersecting and their values are intersecting, but it could go also the other way, it could be extremely low in value. And so you got to understand that both the downtown and the hospital also have deserts and lots of times those two deserts will match up and line up with each other, and so what you can see is that if between the hospital and downtown, you had the valley, it would mean that they would grow incredibly fast in that gray area between the two. But if you had the desert and it's low in value, even though you think that that area is gonna massively change in value, it's never gonna change in value. And so just things for you to keep in mind because as investors, sometimes you think very logically and we're always trying to think very logically at things. But the problem is, if you don't understand the difference between the science and the art and you don't understand the, the, the art form behind what you're, you're doing, you never fully understand where to buy versus not buy. <clears throat> now, Zillow is a great example. They use a lot of information and a, and a lot of a lot of data. But what they didn't understand was the art form. So they didn't understand that when you go on to this next picture, that in one of those areas, it's really good to buy. And one of those areas it's not really good to buy in a hyperinflation market and so this is so critical when you're looking at this part of under understanding real estate and where to invest versus not invest now so much time with real estate education is spent on hey get this property off market or hey here's how to wholesale a deal or, or those kind of things and we we train and teach those things too but knowing where to buy is the difference between having a, a sniper approach or having a machine gun approach about where to focus your time and energy to find good deals and, 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 and good real estate. So you can start to see as you add in these different components where these markets are going and where these markets are headed. And you can see how these different components intersect and how they affect each other because everything within a city is affected a valuation standpoint. And as you continue to, to, to add them in, Do you see where you have the two two green overlappings between the hospital and the stadium? This is incredible because this is an area that is just gonna skyrocket in value. And if you can find a neighborhood within there that has houses maybe that are 1500 square feet instead of 2500 square feet, or 2000 square feet instead of 3000 square feet, this is one of those places where you might be able to start really making massive jumps in what we call value add real estate. Well, value add real estate is a type of investing we're doing in this current marketplace, which a lot of what we're doing is we're saying hey how can we improve this property that's been. broken and dented up and hasn't been run properly by homeowners or how can we add square footage to this property to massively increase the value of. (laughs) of an asset or property, and so this intersection is what you're looking for in a city, and so if you're a real estate investor and you've never gotten out just a a white sheet of paper and overlaid a, a transparent map over a city and done this type of exercise so you can understand where values are going or not going, you've never fully understood where to buy in a marketplace and where to buy in a city. I kind of say the same thing with compound interest, right? Compound interest, we all know, is the eighth wonder of the world. But if you've never actually taken just an Excel spreadsheet and run math and run numbers on an Excel spreadsheet and said, hey, if I invest $100,000, what's 10% interest over the next 10 years look like? If I invest $100,000, what's 20% interest? What's 30% interest? What's 3% interest look like? And understood the different ways in which your money grows, then you don't fully understand investing. If you don't take the same exercise and say, if I invest today versus five years from now, and then look at your money 20 years from now, you'll never fully understand what your money's capable of doing and, and, and what money does as far as creating freedom, right? The reason we all invest is because we want this freedom lifestyle. We want this ability to be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. If you agree with that, nod, nod your head yeses on the screen. I want to see how many of you nod your head yeses. Good. Right? A couple of you are pounding fists. Good. So we're, we're on the same page. And, you know, I look at where I'm at at this point in my life, right? I'm, I'm completely free. I'm in, I'm in a complete free place. And I don't say that from a like, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm super cool. No, I'm in a free, free place because it took a lot of work and a lot of effort and a great group of people that surround me to get me to that free place. And now I'm able to start opening doors and help others get to free places. And that's kind of, you know, mission in life. You know, one of the things I love about Rad is between family and friends and spouses of family and friends that work for our company, I think we're close to 40 people um, in the total Rad family that are like that, right? I was talking to Sonny when we first got on here and his daughter, you know, Megan started doing an internship with and Sonny's one of our, you know, inner circle investors and he's, she, she's not the first one, right? That's been, uh, you know, one of our kids of one of our investors who have come an intern for the company. And I love opening those doors. And so, you know, this freedom is just about knowing what others don't know. And so as you look at this with location, it's about just a simple understanding. It's kind of like when I learned, I, I had a big breakthrough at one point when I was looking at real estate and we were buying real estate and we were buying at auctions. And I said, wow, every time I buy a property at auction, it's like I'm buying money. And, you know, if I bought something at 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar, which we do at tax auctions, a lot of the time, you know, I, I said, I said, I bought that. But then when I make that other 30, 40, 50 cents, right. Come into reality. It's like I bought more money. And so every time I look at real estate, I say I'm buying money right and and you know all money is 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 another energy source in the life right when i tell my kid i love him at night and i put him to bed it's it's an energy source right i'm giving i'm giving him love money's just another one of the energies in the world that allows us enables us to go do things that we're passionate about right like wednesday you know my business partner amy you know her her grandmother's in town and her aunt's in town and we're going to take a boat out you know on wednesday and we don't have to be at the office you know all day long not that we probably won't work it'd probably be more valuable for us to, to, to spend a day on a boat together right on Wednesday, but we have the freedom to go and do that. And and, and and that's part of the part of the power. And that's why I think this is such an important conversation because if you learn these rules, your money will work for you at a 10, 20, 30% faster pace. And reality is, you know, that's just such a massive difference when you compound it over the years. Um, now, this valleys and suburbs, right, this barriers, freeways, roads, rivers, is incredibly important. I was actually just talking to Robert Mears, one of our acquisitions guys, about this exact subject. And we were talking about uh, Newport Ritchie here in, here in Florida, and we were talking about another marketplace. And we were talking about some of the things you have to pay attention to with these barriers is certain places where the values will never go past the barrier, right? And so as you start to look at a city, the reason lots of times, highly appreciating or stagnant markets stay there where they are is because of these barriers and what these barriers do freeways right rivers railroads what they do is they're, they're lots of times your. Your crime districts they're your school districts they're your council members they're your county lines right, and so what happens is the other side of the railroad tracks conversation is actually a fairly true conversation, because when you get to the railroad tracks everybody's marked up that city based on those railroad tracks. And you cross the railroad tracks and you go from an A school to C schools. Those C school neighborhoods are never going to grow nearly as fast in value as A school neighborhoods. And so these are things for you to pay attention to as you're going through and you're looking at the city. And sometimes I'll see people, lots of times, I've seen a lot of investors make this make this mistake right here. And it's one of the biggest mistakes I've seen investors do is where they're looking at that hospital right there. And they're thinking that, hey, these values you know, on the other side of this uh, river are going to go up incredibly fast. But they haven't looked at all of the other factors of what why have the, the value stagnated and why have they been held back on the other side of the river. And so, <coughs> uh, so they haven't seen that and they go and buy for that specific reason and then the property never grows in value. And in this marketplace, in a, in a hyperinflation marketplace, you cannot afford to make that mistake because what's going to happen is is everybody else's who's investing is going to go up by 20% in value you're not going to go up in value at all and then when the market makes a, an adjustment or or changes right makes a 5% or 10% adjustment cuz i think that's the most we're going to experience and i think it'll probably be um 2024 before we see a, that that true adjustment just so you guys kind of have an idea of where i know you know the real estate market is is headed you'll see that and then now you lose But if you spend the next three two years getting 20% value and then you see a 10% correction now you've won, and so this is the whole understanding of the market understanding how to win, you know with with, with these real estate values. let's just keep going into what we call the rad zone now the rad zone is our favorite place to buy. (coughs) i'll give you kind of an example in one of our markets here in Florida, we found the rad zone within one block radius, a one circle radius, we bought four homes within 90 days. Um, In Philly, we have radiuses where we've bought as many as, uh, let's see, between land and homes, as many as 10 properties within one two-block area within within Philadelphia. Within Houston, we started to learn about these rad zones that we began to focus on, and it's kind of when all the cross-sections come together and are working for you. The high appreciation the valley um your landmarks intersecting and growing and, and as you get to this rad zone you'll see sometimes we've had properties grow as much as 30 40 even 50 percent in value when all of these factors come together at once and it's it's fascinating because we i could would love to say hey i was really smart and i figured out rad zones before i ever started investing where I was really smart, and I figured out, you know, these red zones before, you know, we opened our first fund. But we figured out these red red zones by default of information, right? By default data. Man, I knew about barriers and and landmarks, and I knew about how they intersected, but I didn't fully kind of understand it fully till the experience took over, till we were 100 houses in, 200 houses in, 400 houses in, right? And then through that data information, I started to see that there's these very specific zones that just go through the roof. And when I go back and I look at a house we own and I'm saying, you know, I thought this was only gonna be worth 250 in three years and now it's worth 375,000, kind of blew my mind a little bit. Even sometimes hard to have my, my own belief, right? My own, my own, I would go back and I'd talk to our accountants or our third party appraisers that do evaluations and I'd be like, you probably got this wrong a little bit. And so as we started to find these red zones, we realized there's just certain neighborhoods and certain markets that are growing incredibly fast now these grading system that we created is fairly straight, straightforward so we do both neighborhood and property grading <coughs> now for me when we started grading this became gave us a system it gave us a way to be able to identify things and, and and create machines because what happens is when you're investing in real estate the first time you see a good deal you get all excited you get, you get fired up and you get pumped up but if you don't have another 100 properties to measure against that you're going to think that something that may be below average is freaking awesome and every real estate investor especially new real estate investors they get very fired up and very excited as deals are starting to come through because you should right everybody who's on here is excited about real estate but we have to be non-emotional about real estate and so the grading really helped us separate properties and be able to figure out, you know, where are the good outliers and where are the good deals. Now, A-plus is pretty simple, right? Great neighborhoods, great schools, great shopping, security gates. Um, Not only is it a security gate, there's probably a security guard grading it. Um, It's usually a named named neighborhood, right? It has a specific name like Greenwich Village or Beverly Hills or, you know, the Galleria. Um, Those kind of things make a huge difference. A is another great great neighborhood. Not quite as sought after as the A plus. Um, people are driving around in amazing, you know, nice vehicles. Um, a plus, they might be driving, you know, two hundred thousand dollar vehicles. A neighborhoods are driving around in your name brand, you know, your Mercedes, your BMWs, your retail marketplace. You'll see people walking dogs. You'll see people, you know, um, just getting to know each other. It, it, it's a neighborhood, you know, that it's going to appreciate at an incredibly fast pace. Um, it's kind of like when you have a million dollar home and you have a 20% appreciation, it's gonna go from a million to a million too. But if you have a $100,000 home and you have 20% appreciation, it's gonna go from 100 to 120,000. And so the difference in that growth is, is, is astronomical when it comes to money, right? Um, a minus is not a place we, we tend to buy in. Um, it's a, t- a place we actually kind of tend to avoid. We kind of think it's a, maybe a little bit overpriced. Um, you know, there's, there's good, good rehabs, um, lots of things going on with the mortgage. B plus. Um, these are good properties good conditions right now B plus is a great area to buy it's a, it's a great thing that we look at somewhere, you know, we can add square footage. Um, the, that luxury market is really growing now a couple years ago and i'm saying t- 2019 I didn't buy in B plus neighborhoods at all. Um, because B plus neighborhoods were very stagnant in value and they weren't appreciating super fast, and I think the middle of class had kind of just gotten to a certain place with the million dollar threshold and and there's different thresholds right one million dollars is, is a threshold that is a very high threshold Five hundred thousand is is another threshold that and once that threshold gets broken through values past that threshold really start to increase fast but there's a ton of real estate that'll measure up to thresholds and kind of hold value it's almost like a glass ceiling and they only get to a certain certain level now b neighborhoods and b minus neighborhoods are neighborhoods i always want to buy it right um this is your typical middle class america Decent neighborhoods. Um, we call these. Uh, when you're analyzing a neighborhood like this, you're still going to be people. See people pushing kids in strollers. Um, you're going to see parks and kids playing at parks. Um, another great thing is what we call loan cars. And so when you're you're, you're driving through a neighborhood and you see um, cars that are you know probably 2016 and beyond, cars that are going to have loans in them makes makes a big difference um, because when you go into C neighborhoods, which is our next neighborhood, right? These are a little little rougher neighborhoods Um, you know, this is you know blue collar America Um, you're going to see a lot of work vehicles you're going to see a lot of work trucks. Um, You know you're not going to see you know many properties boarded up these are lots of times transitional neighborhoods. Um, i've loved buying in C plus and B minus neighborhoods since day one of getting into real estate because i've always found that if you can find the right ones within that rad zone. Those are the ones that are going to become B and B plus neighborhoods, because normal appreciation. Let's just say, if you look at a hundred year history, it's like five percent. But if you get into a transitional neighborhood, you can go ten, even fifteen percent in increased value. Now, in a hyperinflating marketplace where real estate went up over twenty percent nationwide last year, if you're able to get to a transitional neighborhood that is gentrifying right here in america you might see a 30 even 40 percent increase in value year over year
0: we interrupt this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel the rad podcast
1: which is pretty mind-blowing blows my mind when i think about it now see neighborhoods is where it's starting to get rough um, you're going to see more foreclosures. You're going to see properties that are boarded up. You're going to see older vehicles. You'll see lots of vehicles that would not have loans on them within the neighborhood. You're not going to see people casually, you know, hiking and, and jogging and, and running, um, walking with strollers. Um, it, it, it's a rougher neighborhood, right? Um, I always say, you know, be more cautious and aware um, when you go into these type of, types of neighborhoods. And then we go into C- minus neighborhoods, right? You know, the word danger comes into mind. Um, Lots of times these are neighborhoods that are, you know, on a a very downward turn Um, during COVID times, you know, there's it's fascinating to pay attention to what's going on, because if you go into these neighborhoods, you know, you'll see people that have um, locked down. You'll see a lot of properties where renters haven't paid rent, where they haven't paid mortgages. Right. And so there is some some real roughness to America that we're going to see in the coming years. And you haven't seen it yet. And I think it's for the first time in the history of our country, I think we're seeing some of the divide between the wealthy and poor get accelerated. Um, and and it's fascinating that it's happening, you know, with within, you know, an administration where you, you thought that gap, you know, is supposed to be closing, right? And I'm not political, I just try to pay attention to what's happening. I I, I tend to have beliefs on, on both sides of the aisle. And so I kind of tend to be more of a libertarian, just so you know, I believe in um, everybody's right to be successful. and, and, and everything in the world should should help people be successful and that's kind of my 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 own personal belief so anyways so back to where i think that gap should be closing it's getting bigger and what's happening is is i saw this years and years ago when after the 2008 crash and after the 2008 crash we saw a moratorium um, on foreclosures because banks um didn't want to foreclose because the more they, they foreclosed, the more they drove down values the more they drove down values the less they were going to be able to sell their reos the real the, the bank owned properties on the marketplace and so they created a shadow inventory you're seeing the same thing right now with banks but they're going to get away with it now much more they did than the <coughs> than they did in 2008 and so you're going to see a large shadow inventory that's being created in, in America well when you get people who have chosen are choosing not to pay rents mixed with people who aren't paying paying mortgages, you're going to see um, uh, a part of the world where dysfunction becomes normal. And so this is a place as an investor, you want to be very careful with investing. Um, When you invest into these places, yes, sometimes they can seem like great deals. They can seem like you can get in cheap. Uh, The reality is though, let's just say property is less than $100,000, you're not going to be able to get loans on it. Not only that, the renters um, don't pay their rent, And they create a lot more headaches and a lot more challenges. And it's actually cheaper in today's marketplace to buy a $200,000 home with an 80% loan on it than it is to buy a $40,000 home for $40,000. And it's the same amount of money out of your own pocket, but one's going to make you a whole lot more money. And some of you are like, well, I live in Los Angeles. There's no $40,000 homes. I understand that you may live in a major city where that's not common, but... For 70% of America, right? People don't live in places where where those kind of things don't exist. They still exist in a lot of America. 70% is probably a bad number, maybe 50%, 50%, 50% of America. And then D, we always say is danger, do not enter, right? Um, D neighborhoods is stuff where there's high crime. There's a difference between a drug dealer and a drug user neighborhood, right? Um, With the opioid pandemic that we have in America, and it's been pretty much ignored um, by the press. And after, you know, some pharmaceutical companies got fined, you know, billions or lost billions of dollars of lawsuits for for creating, you know, an opioid, you know, pandemic here in America, you know, it, it's bad. If you haven't seen, you know, more homeless and more people on the streets, you know, passed out, you know, than, than you ever have before in your life, if you've been locked down in this covert world for the last two year years, you, you don't realize. Um, it, it, it's going to be the worst thing we're going to see. Um, in the history of our country in in, in the next couple years, and and, and it's mind-blowing. If people don't understand the statistics, um, you can go back and watch videos from three years. I told people we were going to have a homeless explosion because of where the mental health is um, in America, and COVID didn't do anything other than accelerate mental health. And so, you know, these D neighborhoods they're dangerous, and they're they're where drug users um, live. Um, it's, it's amazing because, you know, uh, I walked through downtown Los Angeles before I moved to Florida and I was mind blown. I was, I was in the financial district and had to watch people shooting up on the streets and stepping over people. And, and, you know, people are like, well, don't be hard on, on drug addicts. Well, I said, well, there's nothing a drug addict is adding to society until they're recovering. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll, we'll move on past that subject before I get down, down another rabbit hole. So is, is that the last slide from the slides you guys? Cool. So we got through the slides, you know, that we were sharing and I I, I think, you know, I want to open it up to Q and a talking about real estate, talking about the marketplace, talking about stuff that, that real estate is doing. Um, I, I, love being able to share with with all of you, you know us about location what i'm going to do in the next content, just so you guys can can log in and make sure you're plugging into the next piece. Is we're just going to be talking about when it comes to the property evaluations. um, How much rehab is costing today, where I see rehab going for us, how do we evaluate our rehabs in order to do price estimates and the types of properties we're looking for from a value at how do we create what's called margin gaps. And what margin gaps is is when you look at neighborhoods and you can find stuff at $250 a square foot if you're at 2,500 square feet. If you can add a thousand square feet and you can get to $280 a square foot on properties, this is creating big opportunity in the our purchasing power and how much margin we can make on individual deals. Um, Go ahead, and, and people have lots of questions in the chat on the right. Um, my guys are scrolling right. Somebody's asking, "What's the was the new stock price announced?" The new stock price was not announced, David. I am keeping my fingers crossed that our audit is finished tomorrow, and we'll be announcing a, a new stock price um, by Thursday. Um, as soon as we open up from the audit, we'll let you guys know, and then we'll have 48 hours um, for you guys to do what, what, what you're going to be what you're going to be able to do. Um, great to hear from you. Glad you you made it today. Um, hi everyone, Kelly here with Rad. I'm just scrolling through my own Teams. William you're okay don't worry about it you're alright, without your shirt during during the rad call I just give it giving you a hard time um, hi everyone, thank you, you can keep scrolling down we're almost to the bottom. Um, okay, so not a lot of people are asking questions on the chat feel free to done your mute yourself and, and fire suit fire through some some di- different questions that that you may be having about real estate or how rad rad, RAD does things. <coughs> I'm not sick, by the way. It's the aftermath of having what many, many of us, many of us have had in the last two years. Let's see, how much of the quarterly return can I expect to get from my five thousand dollar investment? Um, you know, Calvin, Rat has made roughly thirty percent, you know, per year. Um, and if we stayed on that track, granted, past performance is not indicative of future performance, but if you invested 5,000 times you know, 30% would be 1,500 divided by 4, so you'd make you know, 3 to 400 per quarter. Uh, great stuff, Dud. Is anyone interested in our REIT? I'll send us a message. What resources do you use to do the art of finding the RAD zone? Well, Tracy, I think we use a, a lot of different resources. You know, Zillow is a really powerful tool, and so you know, we like to go to recently solds, um we like to map our cities um there's um, citydata.com is another one you know in order to figure out crime rates in order to figure out school school grades and so you really have to start with putting a a a map you know on a a kitchen table on a table and some of you are more sophisticated and say hey i can do that in powerpoint i can do it on a computer great when i first started doing my first real estate you know tax liens and deeds we had to have paper maps and trying to put pins on a map to figure out how do we drive to different properties for for auctions and stuff but i've always still found you know that's that's one of the greatest tools is to get the map out start putting your values around the city um, start marking your barriers around the city um, start putting your your pins to decide that i think one great exercise might be good for all of you is if we go down the road and we take an actual city maybe one of the cities we invest in like philadelphia and we map out the landmarks and we map out the barriers and different things and how the values are fastly growing in value. Um, I mean, I don't really ever have a challenge uh, with competition or worry about competition. Um, that might be a little too close close to the vest. But but mapping one of our actual cities where we're doing our investing would probably be pretty healthy. Um, I just came across a property that needs a full remodel that I think Remad might be interested in. Um, what should I do? You know, Alicia, any of our investors who invest with Rad, you know, I never say no um, to being open to looking at at a property now. If it's a property in one of our major marketplaces, which for us is Southern California, Houston, Texas, Philadelphia, um, Tampa, um, and, and, you know, within probably 40 miles, um, Philadelphia, those are our major, major marketplaces. Um, Southern California, if I didn't say that, you were, we're more likely to invest in something if it's in a random city, you know, across the country that we're not actively investing in, and it just means the deal needs to be a little bit better, right? Um, and so, you know, but we're, we're pretty open to always looking at deals. Um, I say the investor who won't look at a deal is the investor who's probably gonna lose money much, much sooner. Uh, what would you recommend getting your own house first before you start investing? Um, that's a great question, Walter. I think there's, you know, different conversations that are out there about buying personal, personal property and personal houses. I personally believe that kind of depends on your own financial situation. For me, I actually owned a lot of rental property and owned a lot of investment property before I ever owned my own house. And so for me, I was just in a place where I knew that I was in the business of doing real estate and I began wholesaling my first properties. Um, I had some what we call subject twos, which is taking over a property with its existing financing. And so I probably owned probably 40 houses um, before I actually bought my own personal residence and, and and lived in it. Um, I always think in, in this market, the answer is if you can buy your own home, then buy your own home and get that working um, from an appreciation standpoint for you. Um, if you can't buy your own home, then go go start doing real estate using you know a lot of the different tools and techniques that are out there and, and start doing your first deals and, and own a rental property if, if, if you're not ready to own your own home. You might live in a place as well where owning your own home might be you know a multi-million dollar you know proposition and going and doing real estate you know in a suburb 20 minutes away isn't a multi-million dollar proposition And you might be more easier for you to do it or there's parts of the country where it's even um, less expensive <coughs> um thanks very question. much
0: go ahead i say yeah thanks very much so um because I'm entertaining trying to buy a condo probably within the next Oh it's year. Walter. I can see you now. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah, so I'm entertaining buying a trying to buy a condo within the next year or so. Um so I guess if I was to start, you know, investing in any sort of real estate, I guess my first, you know, my first step would be to find a realtor, um, implement some of the techniques you mentioned, you know, looking at, you know, where your high appreciation is, your low appreciation, looking for those intersection areas.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. So you you're talking about buying your own your own home, right? So
0: Right.
1: or you're talking about an investment property, which sorry. one? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um,
3: investment property.
1: So an investment property and and so the first thing I was find a great lender. So before you start worrying about the exact property, find find a great liver. So we use Civic Financial as one of our one of our best lenders and and I know I have some other lenders that could even be on here that are probably like, "Why well, are you saying Civic?" Well, we use Civic more than we use the others. I'll tell the others, "Get better rates and higher LTVs and, and I'll say your name on there," right? So we use Civic Financial, um, we use a man named Chris Lucina, and we can, you know, obviously drop his con- contact out to everybody, but, you know, they're, they're a huge company, they're owned by, I think, ah, I don't want to screw this up, I think PwC, but they have a ton of cash. And when you have a lender that has a ton of cash, it kind of makes things easier, but their LTVs are higher, I think they go as high as 90%, right, um, which is really great. On a rehab property, they go as high as 80%, and they'll pay for the rehab. And so you look at a $300,000 purchase, you're going to put, you know, $60,000 down. And if you have $200,000 rehab as a part of that, they'll pay for that rehab within within draws. And so you literally could get a $500,000 property with roughly $60,000 down. And let's say that five hundred dollars you know, is going to be worth six hundred dollars you know, at, at the end of the day. You know, that's, that's great, great math. Um, you're going to see that math start to change about 18 months from now. Um, Because as the the rates change and things change, lenders start to get fearful as the market changes. And so they tighten up, they do lower LTVs, they do higher interest rates. But right now, we're still getting great LTVs and great marketplace. So that's that's Civic. So once you know there's a lender, right, that can loan you against your property, now you can say, okay, in the city I want to go invest in, do I have the loans prepared? Do I have the money to go and do the deal? Because there's no point in wasting a bunch of your time if you don't have. money to go and do that right now if you were doing wholesaling or a different type of real estate let's say like subject twos or something like that or Mm -hmm. short sales right maybe maybe you don't but if you're looking to buy yourself as an investment property get your lending in place now you want to start going to like the foreclosure websites before i would ever start working with a realtor right now there are great realtors right we have realtors that work for the company we use realtors to buy. We use realtors to sell, right? I think it's right. one of the most ignorant things ever when I hear a real estate, you know, instructor tell people, "Don't go get your real estate license." I think that's ridiculous. I think having a real estate is just license is just a helpful, useful tool. And if somebody wants to be a wholesaler, you might as well just be a realtor because it's the same exact process for for making money. So there's no point. But anyway, so the next thing I would do is I get the foreclosure sites, right? Um, that that could help you. So like foreclosures daily is a great foreclosure site. Like Southern California West Coast County Records research is out there. Um, there's other, but you just Google, you know, foreclosure listings, foreclosure website for your area or your market, and start getting the listings. And so now, when you, you start getting the listings, you can kind of kind of help you start reading the city a little bit. You want to start evaluating properties. And so what we do is to evaluate, and we'll share that on an upcoming Zoom. But we use, lots of times use Zillow recently sold it's an easy tool if you don't have MLS access. And then we kind of start evaluating and map our city. Now we can choose that rad zone and and start saying, okay, within this area, I want to go find a dealer. I want to go find a property.
0: Okay. Now in regards to like buying my first home, I understand I'm gonna need a down payment and cover closing costs and all that good stuff. Cause I think if I start with that, I in a couple of years or oh. months be able to establish some capital. So finally- yeah, I mean
1: buying your own home can be hugely helpful. It can be be huge, Um, you know, especially in a market that's appreciating this fast. You know, if you can take 10, 20% per year and and grow in value, a $300,000 home in in three years is going to be, you know, you're going to make $100,000, right? And, you know, when in your lifetime, you know, are you going to make that kind of money? Now, a $300,000 home with 3% down is only $9,000 down. It's not nearly as expensive. If you've never bought a home before, it's not nearly as expensive as people think to buy your first home. It's, it's far, far cheaper. And if you have military background, right, uh, you could even be zero, 0% down. And, you know, you can literally, oh. you literally buy a home without having to put more money out of, out, out of your pocket, which, which, is, which is really cool. And now, you know, if you, let's just say you put the 9,000 down and three years from now, you know, let's just say it appreciates, you know, at, at 10% per year um, with this current market, that's 90 grand without it even compounding. I mean, where else in your lifetime can you make 100 grand passively? there's just there's just no way for a normal person to make a hundred grand passively, and so people who who don't have that home, and you might some people are comparing apples to apples. They're like, well, I could rent for twenty two hundred a month or I could go and buy and I'm gonna have to pay twenty seven hundred a month. Well, that extra five five hundred a month is six thousand a year. Well, in three years, that's eighteen thousand, but if you make that appreciation, thirty thousand per year, you're making a profit margin against the rents, plus you're paying obviously paying off paying off your mortgage. so. Uh, I'm going to jump to some other questions, but I'm always happy to come back to you and answer more for you too, Walter. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Um, Does RAD invest in commercial as well as residential units? Yes, we do, Matt. So one of our big investments, Matt, is we invest in a lot of farmland. Um, We believe in, uh, we have a strong belief in our country. And so we believe that there's kind of a little bit of an attack on American food sources. And and so we believe in (coughs) buying farmland and investing in farmland and Protecting our agriculture, you know, here in our country, we also don't like the fact that we believe that there's, you know, foreign powers buying, you know, American American real estate and trying to have interest in our American real estate. People are saying you're getting political again. I know, but reality is I believe I believe in believe in you know our country and our country owning our country, and I believe in our Americans owning you know American real estate, and I, I you know don't really feel like foreign 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 powers should be able to own American real estate. Have I invested in Chicago? Says Miguel. Miguel, I started on the South Side of Chicago. Um, first deal I ever did was on South Side of Chicago, 119th and Normal. Um, if you know where that is, it's not the greatest greatest of neighborhood. Uh, what happens to our investments if we have another 2008-style market crash? Hey, Jared, that's, that's a great question, right? If there was another 2008 market crash, you know, it would hit everyone and every, you know, there's 300, what, 30, 360 million people in America, right? It would affect all 360 million people, just like COVID affected everyone in our in our country as well and and our number one rule arrive rad is to to focus on strategies that help us thrive right during the worst of economic times so if we have another 8, 08, 08 crash you know we're going to have to weather the storm we're going to have to bunker down and and let that initial hit that initial time pass and hold your real estate i wish in 08 i would have been smart enough to understand this in 2008 You know, I had to I sold a lot of real estate. I went from seven figures in equity um, to negative seven figures right and in a very short period of time. But if I would have held on to all of that real estate, it'd be worth over $20 million free and clear today. And so the reality is, is the market will go up and down. And if you look at a graph, a market goes up and down. But the reality is, if you look at a 10 year, 20 year, 30 year history, the market only goes up. Now there's and there's dives in that, and sometimes you have to weather that storm, right? And I always say the next storm that's coming, we have to be prepared to weather it. In poker, they call that bad beats. You have to play better than your bad beats, right? And I'm going to play in the World Series of Poker again this year, so I'm a little bit of a poker, poker, poker guy. I, I love that, and so you know, same with real estate. There's going to be dips, and you have to beat the dips. And, and so we're always preparing to beat the, the dips, but we also diversify for that reason. <coughs> There's a reason why we invest in farmland and we invest in multiple markets and multiple cities ar- across the country. There's a reason why we invest in both low-income housing and luxury luxury housing. There's a reason why we stay very balanced in what we're purchasing and buying. And the, the key is is always just to be prepared for it if it happens. Now, the reason it's not happening right now, to be crystal clear, and there's been a lot of really stupid articles that have gone out, about housing market and the housing market crashing or the housing market downturn they're, they're terrible because they're not backed with factual information the reality is the facts are we have low inventory in america which means high demand right low supply high demand economics 101. number two uh foreclosure um not forecl- foreclosure rates are super low so the amount of foreclosures that are happening are super low mortgage defaults are super low so in 2000 mortgage defaults were across through the roof um foreclosures were through the roof and supply was at an all-time high because you had builders just building like insane because no matter what they built right no matter what they built it was being bought and so there's a very big difference between where we were in 08 and where we are today the other reason today is developers have been slow to act during covid developers stopped building um, they start doing construction and then lumber prices went up and so they all got scared and, and they didn't grow the way what's been traditional for the last 12 or 13 years in the country. And it was actually probably good for us in the real estate market that they stopped building for a little while because it took the supply down. And so these are all factors of why real estate isn't going to be affected the way a lot of other things in our economy are going to be affected. Don't think during the next six to eight months when we go into midterm elections that we're not going to have some pretty intense things happen economically. It's coming. Right, because the powers that be on both sides want, want, want to create turbulence, especially the side that's less in office that wants to blame the other side. Right. And so you're going to see some economic pressures, political pressures happen during the next six to seven months. But it's only going to be a micro fraction or a small portion compared to what's coming two years after that. What's coming two years after that is where we'll see, you know, some real economic stuff that we've got to pay attention and, and be prepared for. But we're preparing for that now. So at Rad we're doing research, we're doing market analysis for what's coming two, three, four years from now, right? There's a big thing that's happening, you know, in, in our country with whether it's the metaverse or, or crypto or the space economy and things that are happening. If you don't pay attention to all of these different factors and weave them in, you don't know how things going to be af- going to be affected a- as we go forward. Let me jump into next question. Here's some questions that come to mind. Uh, the inner circle that I would want to hear your answers on. You had a, spoken about it, given a discount if so someone would pay the entry in full. And so how big is the amount? Um, Anna, those are great questions for one of our team members. Just asking about inner circle. Those of you who aren't a part of our inner circle, we have a, a kind of a private one on one investment um, where we invest 50% into deals hand in hand with members. Club, the club that we have, it's currently closed. Um, we close that June 1st. We open it a couple times a year, only about three or four times a year. Uh, for people to come in and, and, and join join that club. Um, is it recommended to have separate LLC? Yes, it's always recommended um, to do your investments through entities. I'm not a lawyer, I can't give legal advice. Just in my experience, there's a few more protections, a little more safety investing through an LLC. See, what would be a minimum recommended amount for my first joint venture? Um, if you're an Inner Circle member, I think that's a great one of those questions. But you know, I think right now in this marketplace, we can pretty easily get into deals for $30,000, $40,000, dollars um, I, I see pretty common with the way lenders are right now when lenders drop back down to 60% LTVs, which they will probably in about 18 months from now. I think you'll probably need more like 60 to 80 to get into your first first deal. Um, someone else said, what's well, a JVC? It's a joint f- venture. Um, if we are older people who own rental property, should we consider selling or holding in today's market? Hey, Ray and Bernice, that's a great, great question. Um, you know, if you're older and you're holding for the long-term, then keep holding for the long-term. If you're older and you say, hey, I want some cash, um, and and I want that cash to work for me, then now's a great time to sell um, because there's other great opportunities to go out there and buy. kind of depends on your your property though. To me, if your property's appreciated in the last two years 5% um, and you're getting amazing cash flow from it, then keep it. If your property's only appreciated 5% the last two years and you're not getting great cash flow for it, I would say sell it and get into a better a better location. If your property's appreciated 20%, 20%, 20% right, the last two years um, to three years, then then might be a really good time to sell in the next the next 12 months. Um, you want to sell by August if you're going to sell, otherwise I would hold on to, ne- to next summer because when it comes to the, to the time where we're getting into election time, September, October, November, um, I think you'll see some slowdown in the marketplace and I don't think you'll be able to sell it a- as easily. Um, I'm in my late 60s and new to investing. I'm not a financial advisor, by the way, everybody. I can't give financial advice. I'll just tell you, you know, what I know from 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 my experience running a REIT, running a fund, investing, giving education. I'm in my late 60s and new to investing. My aim is to create generational wealth. What can I expect with the minimum amount um, with, with RAD? I mean, um, minimum amount with RAD is a $1,000 investment. That's not going to create generational wealth. Um, somebody once told me that you know, if I only have $1,000 to invest, should I invest with Rad? Um, I would say no. I say, if you only have $1,000 to your name to invest, I would say put that $1,000 into education and to getting yourself, expanding your ability to earn. I, I, I think it would be selfish to say, give us your $1,000. And yes, that $1,000, it's good to make investments even when you don't have a lot of money. And I, I agree with that. But if you only have $1,000 to your name, use that $1,000 to expand your ability to earn more money. There's all kinds of ways to expand your ability to earn more money, whether that's school, whether that's, you know, alternative education, whether that's certifications or vocational stuff, just expand your ability to earn because $1,000, even with the greatest interest rates, you know, in the world, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, isn't going to be worth a whole lot of money but a thousand dollars put into the right education or the, collecting the right information to expand your ability to earn is going to be worth a lot more money per year to you and and so you know that that's my belief um i know that goes contradictory to conventional um wisdom or the selfish wisdom of, hey invest with rad i just say use your money to expand your ability to earn and as you're earning good money start putting money away toward towards investing um what is the origin story of the red name Um, good, good question, Josh. Um, it was Randall, Amy Dutch, uh, Amy and I had a a business partner named Randall Bowling and it sounded better than DAR, um, which was D-A-R. And so we had, Amy and I, two years ago, um, went ahead and, 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 uh, bought Randall out of the company Had other things he wanted to go and, and do with his life, but he's still, you know, great man and a great founder, one of the founders of, of the company. And so that's where, that's where Rad came from was our, was our three names. And dar did not sound nearly as sexy as rat. So, um, have you ever received interest from potential acquirer investors? Does rat have any exit plans for the foreseeable future? Um, James, you know you're asking about exit plans. I mean, I think we look at every asset and every property um, and as a potential exit plan. We've we've set about a year ago. We set a three-year goal um, to exit um, a lot of assets and a lot of property based on what we saw the marketplace where the marketplace going. We're about nine months into that three-year plan, so you kind of have an idea as RAD you know, is paying attention to capital and cash flow and cycles. Um, we're going to be opening up RAD Land this summer, which would be another cool vehicle for you guys to be able to invest in. Uh, we already invest in farmland at RAD and have made great money with it, um, but we will have a fund only dedicated to investing into both development and farmland. Uh, the benefits only Rad read is we have that's Kelly responding to people $1,000 with the right investment can grow to a million. Um, you're correct JD. Um, if there's a way to allow this investment cash flow more frequently than annually. Hey, Kurt. So for us, Kurt, we did one distribution this year. I'm setting a goal um, to set it one of Kurt's question was, can we figure out ways to do more cash flow with Rad-Reit? Um We did our first distribution earlier this year, we did an 8% distribution. We are actually setting a goal in third quarter to do a second distribution uh, this year. Um, you could always make a, a, a distribution request as well. Um, RAD is an, an equity-based REIT, and so as you know, we've gone from you know $10 a share to 1926, and um, there's more than enough money obviously for people that uh, have invested with RAD to be able to receive money, which is pretty cool. Um, I have 25k to invest in your REIT. Can I take out the interest received quarterly? Um, you sure can, Dennis, completely within your right to take out money. Um, you wouldn't be taking out the interest. What you do in a non-traded um, public public REIT like us is you would sell stock. And so if, let's say, you buy 100 shares and your shares grew from, let's just say, $1,000 to $2,000, right? I'm used to using rough num- numbers. It's not a specific rad, rad example. I always have to be careful, you know, with FCC and, and FINRA stuff to, to be very careful what I say. So if you have a thousand dollars and let's say it grew to two thousand dollars and you still had you know a hundred stock, right? Well, your hundred stock, just... we interrupt
0: this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Rad Podcast.
1: One dollar a share, I think the two dollars a share, if I'm doing the math, I might not be doing the math correctly, from ten dollars a share. Twenty to twenty dollars a share, right? Now, if you went and sold, you know, uh, half of half of your shares, right? Fifty of your one hundred shares, you'd be back to a thousand dollars, but you'd still be pulling a thousand dollars out, and so um, that's how you know buying and selling stock works. Um, what's a good amount to invest with Rad, um, Daniel? That's a great question. I think that's great for you to talk with one of the Rad team members. You know, this is our first you know content call like this for for Rad, right? Giving training and education. Um I wasn't expecting all the Q&A to be about about the read. Um but you guys are welcome to ask about the read if anybody has questions about any of the content with location feel free to ask that too but you can ask more about the read if you want to. I got to all the questions on here. Uh, if anybody wants to unmute and ask a question you're more than welcome to. Um otherwise I will wrap up for the night. I will go and see my kids and eat some food and enjoy the rest of my my evening.
3: Yeah. Hi, I, I have a question. Hello?
0: Yes. I'm looking yeah, so for Ian you in the know, cameras, uh, go ahead. When we, in, when we invested Rad, like, uh, do you guys have any like portal sort of thing, anything like where we can see our, our is growing, you know, like uh, I invested, but I don't know whether it grew or whatever, any sort of uh, yeah, user-friendly Saeed, so
1: dashboard. When, when did you invest, Said? Uh, in January. So the first quarter returns should be out this week. So you probably bought at 1926 a share. I cannot tell you whether your returns will go up or down because that would be called insider trading, right? But I will yeah. tell you, you know, before the end of this week, you should see a stock price change, and that would tell you what we did for for, for first quarter. Um, we've been waiting on the audits, you know, with the auditors. They have to go through all kinds of analysis, and and they have to do a, you know, go through appraisals and go through every contract and paperwork that we do. And I think that's going to be done tomorrow. Um, right. Can, crossed um it's our third time doing audits and you know i always feel you know with the audits like i visited uh, our you know, investment the get compounded. at the same time so
0: in this case our our investment get compounded like mine was i think 18 something i it was share per share i got it so now i get some profit and now the next investment will be it get compounded right
1: yes yes everything's Everything with us is, is, is compounded. So as our stock price grows, it's always not based off of you know, the $10 a share, it's always based off of the pre- previous share price. Right, sure, sure. Thank I, you. I, I have a question. You're very welcome.
0: Can you hear me? I can, go ahead. Okay, so, so to invest with you, first of all, why should I go invest with you? And we have many, many other companies that pretty much do the same thing. Why should I come with you?
1: Yeah, Jay, I mean, it's a great question, right? Why, why us versus someone else? And, you know, I think that there's other great companies out there, right? I look at some, some of the competitors out there, whether it's Fundrise or Cordon Capital or Realty Mochul and, 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 and other companies out there. And I, and I think some of those are probably great companies to invest in. I think if I said down to the DNA of why invest with Rad, well, first of all, our first thing is people first, right? Um, I will put my employees and the people that work for the company, you know, before, before anyone else and i think when i take good care of you know my people they take great care of all of you as our investors you know we are more um than just an investment company if you look at our website you'll see the nonprofits we invest in um and and you know we have a strong mission you know to make an impact on this world um when now when it comes down to our type of investing there's no one like us um there's no one who does what what we do um i'll i'll take my knowledge when it comes to real estate, but I'll take my, my brother Dory, who took over our residential real estate and I'll take our acquisition guys um, against anybody else you know out there. and I'm pretty competitive with that that said. I think there's some great tech companies um, that are good at raising money and, and they have money they want to shove into real estate. I think there's some good capital raise companies that are good at you know shoving money into real estate. I, during the middle of the pandemic when a lot of REITs froze withdrawals and a lot of REITs froze new investments, um, we didn't do any of that. We doubled down with the SEC, did a COVID nineteen amendment, and did a five percent guarantee to our investors. Um, and this year we did a, a, an eight percent guarantee for our investors, and and have already paid that out. And so I think we're just a little bit, little bit different, um, in the sense that you know we put our money with our mouth as we invest, you know, hand in hand with our people. Um, I'm the largest investor in our, our REIT myself, and I'm a real estate dog. But you know, I'm not even you know the principal leader behind you know, all of our real estate, whether it's Dusty who acquires farms or Dory who's in charge of our residential real estate, they're real estate dogs too. And, and there's a difference between somebody who lives and breathes and dies real estate and somebody who has money and is looking for a place to store it. And, you know, I think our returns, you know, speak for themselves and our care about people um, and our care about this country and, and, and how we do things is, you know, some of our, our, our DNA. But I love the question because it gives me a chance to talk about, you know, who we are and the passion I have for this company and the passion I have for our people. You know we've gone so, so really fast. Pub- Go ahead. So
0: you're, you're a publicly traded company, correct?
1: We are a public, non-traded
0: company. Non-traded company. So yeah, I can't buy I can't buy this stock that you sell, like with uh, Fidelity or something, correct? Correct. Well,
1: so no, there I are there, there are there are non-traded public stocks that you can buy through different through different platforms. So when our stock when you buy our stock and the stock market goes through a tweet that elon musk did or donald trump did or joe biden did or jeff bezos did our stock price is not affected up or down by what's going on in the public public marketplace right our stock is only affected by our net asset value so our assets going up in value is the only way that our stock price is now there's good and bad with that right there's pros and cons with that you can't liquidate your stock with us tomorrow um, but we've been fairly good at, at being able to take care of every investor who's ever, you know, wanted a distribution or wanted a disbursement or done a with, you know, withdrawal is what we call it internally, you know, with us. And our, you know, our investors have been with. There's people on this screen right now watching that have been with us seven, eight years plus, and and, and you
0: know, we've done a good job taking care of them. So let's say I invest ten thousand dollars with you. What, what is the security yeah. instrument that I get to keep? You're your public, you're uh, your SEC bank backed, I guess, right? So what is the security instrument that I get? Yeah,
1: so we're SEC qualified and that's not the SEC saying, hey, invest with this company, right? That means we've gone through their protocol and their their regiment and we've adhered to the laws of the country, right? To be a public company. Now, that's far harder than being a, what I would call a reg D or a private equity or, or a private, private hedge fund, right? Um, it's far harder to get that, qualification. Now, um, what, what is what is your guarantee? I think first and foremost, we're backed by real estate, right? We keep our money invested into property and invest, invested into real estate. And, and I think that's the safest, you know, thing that I could tell you. Obviously, all investments are at risk, um, and but we don't keep a lot of cash on hand. We don't keep a lot of capital. Obviously, we keep a, an emergency reserve um, to, to safeguard the company. And safeguard our employees and safeguard our investments. But other than that, our money stays invested into real estate at all times. Uh, We never stop buying. We never start staying on the edge of the marketplace. And so I think that's your best, your best guarantee, you know, for us as as a company and track record in history. You know, we're not a fly-by-night company. You know, one of our big competitors was a sales trainer four years ago. um, and now he suddenly has a billion dollars. He's investing into beachfront property. Um it's a little bit different than than how you
0: know where we come from and, and, and how we do things. So if I had invested with you a thousand dollars in January first of last year, what would that what would that have yielded me for the entire twenty twenty
1: one? Um, I think it would be roughly forgive me if I'm not I'm not gonna let you quote me on this one, right? But we had roughly a thirty, I think thirty five percent return last year. So a thousand dollars would have been worth one thousand three hundred and fifty. Um, and you know, you could, you know, sell that stock and it you'd you know, get I think and
0: how often do you pay out that uh, that
1: return um every six months you can do a you can do a stock stock sell every six months um so you have the ability to do that Um, and then we did an eight percent we did an eight percent distribution in february
0: you have to do a stock sale first in order to realize uh, a
1: payout. um whatever whenever you request your withdrawal that that locks in your stock price so we don't we don't pay you the withdrawal six months later of the stock price at the time of request is what, what locks what locks in your stock price.
0: So if I buy your stock, say hypothetically at $10 and then in September, I wish to have a payout, stock price goes up to 15, I'm selling a hundred shares at $15. And that's what I get.
1: At $15, yes. Yeah. Now, I, w- forgive me with, with our, with, with rad reit right there's there is some protocols within there right so if you would make 96% of your return year one 97 year two, 98 year three so that means if you made $100 year one you would get $96 of that if you made you know $200 year one you would get 190 I think $192 of that right and so each year it's there's a 1% increase in, in your and in your based on your return.
0: Hello. How do I know, how do I know your, the stock is, is increasing? How do I know the value of the stock is increasing? How do yeah, I, every, how do
1: every I, quarter I, yeah. every quarter we, had, we have, so we go back seven years ago when Rad, you know, when we were, you know, five, five employees with our first Reg D um, and we were just getting started and it was just me and, and the, the other, the other employees. And, what we would do is we would get the returns and then we would email a paper copy out to our investors. Um, now you have an online portal you can go into, you can log into it. You should be able to look at your statement on there. And so you'll be able to see that each quarter as that stock price changes, our stock price doesn't change daily. Um, like, you know, the, there's both good pros and cons to that. My pro to it is, you know, the movements of the wind don't change our stock price, um, only net asset value does. Um, the other difference is, is you know, um, you're not gonna see some, you know, Big sudden climb for for no reason, right? We've been pretty steady and pretty consistent, you know, um, since since day one. And and that's you know I I believe in in aggressively pursuing returns for my investors, but I also believe that you know the slow and steady train wins wins the race.
2: I have a question.
1: Go ahead. This is Carolyn.
2: Um, you said tomorrow they're going to come out with the new stock price.
1: So, no. So I'm hoping that tomorrow. The fingers crossed. The audit is completed tomorrow, right? Fingers crossed. Maybe it's Wednesday. Maybe it's Thursday, right? The auditors have given us all the indications that we could be completed, you know, tomorrow, which means then we can receive, you know, in, in investments, you know, as as a company again. And then um, I'm uh, 48 hours after that is when the stock price will change. So we'll be sending so, out an, an announcement, and we'll do social posts oh, so that okay. you guys know it, it's happening. So, so as will soon as we
3: see it from an right. email
1: uh we'll email it out to you we'll also post it through all the social channels uh, it all, You'll you also see the website get updated so all those things happen pretty quickly
3: okay all right Thanks. Uh,
1: one of the cool things is I mean you can go in and look at your stock price within your online portal but our website keeps an up-to-date you know current of what the stock price is at all times and so as soon as the stock price changes the the raddiversified.com changes at the exact same time so we actually oh. have to legally with the SEC so that everything's accurate which we we do our best to keep at all times you know if we we have to keep that accurate and so whatever the the website stock price is is what the stock price is
3: where do i find the online portal
1: um so we have our investor relations team and what i would say whoever that is just drop a message into the um the chat uh chat box and one of our team members because we have uh, many team members on here monitoring the chat They'll make sure somebody reaches out to you and walks you through it. You should have gotten an email with a login um, for where to go and how to log in and and get into your online portal.
3: Hey, Dutch. Good question,
1: Um, though. Yeah, go ahead. uh,
3: Yeah. Hey, I got two questions for you. Number one. Man, um, for
1: how slow you guys started the questions, you're fast and furious now.
3: Well, you know, one generates another, I guess. Um, uh, So what I have here is what do you um, how often do you guys do audits? Number one. And then number two, uh, my second question is uh, uh, the dividend payouts that, that you pay. Uh, do you have a DRIP program that allows those uh, dividends to be reinvested?
1: So what I decided to do, um, is this Kevin Owens speaking or are they just have Kevin Owens up on the No, this
3: is Kevin Owens speaking. Yeah, I'm sorry, this is Kevin Owens, yes.
1: So you're a different Kevin Owens than a Kevin Owens that I know from Phil Craft Survival, so that was... There's no way you're the same, Kevin, because your voices are way too different. Um, he's well, got if, he's to, rich,
3: if he's rich, then it's me.
1: There you go. There you go. Um, uh, so I decided to do distributions instead of dividends. And here's the reason why. Um, I didn't want to create a taxable event for my investors unless they choose a taxable event. If I do a dividend to you, you're forced into a taxable event. And the first time I did a dividend, a lot of my investors were like, well, I don't really want the money. Can I just reinvest it? And so what I decided to do was distributions and so what a distribution is is hey, if you say yes you want it, you receive the distribution, and you have a taxable event if you say no, then your money stays in the REIT and you never have a taxable event. Um, and so the only time you're ever taxed with us right, is if you do take a distribution or you do uh, a redemption or a withdrawal right and, and sell your stock back to us. And so that's just how I decided to do it we did 5% um, twenty twenty. Five uh, percent, twenty twenty-one, and we did eight percent here in twenty twenty-two. Um, can I Does that ask I answer a question?
3: your question for you, Kevin? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I guess so. The, so the, the only value then to uh, being in red is the value of the stock itself. There's no other uh, added, you know, like I said, uh dividends or. or you know, that's a I lot mean, of trust. we're
1: forced. We we were forced by government regulation, right, to pay ninety percent of profits out right in distribution or, or to give our people's that ability and dividends. Um, but we, I mean, the benefit of being in rat is the 30% returns we've received, you know, three years, three years in a row. Um, okay, but but that,
3: That's that's the question I'm trying to yeah. ask them: is that 30% that you're saying, okay. Is how is that, is that done through your stock evalu- evaluation? Or, yes. or is it added on to your net value or that's, it's, that's it's, the question? It's from your,
1: your stock, your stock evaluation. So when I say, Thirty percent a year. Your st- our stock went from ten dollars to nineteen twenty six, um, over the last two and a half years, right? Okay. And so, okay. if you invested a hundred thousand dollars, two and a half years ago, it'd be worth one hundred ninety two thousand sixty today, right? Okay. Or one hundred ninety two thousand six hundred. Um. Then, when we do that eight percent distribution, let's say if you had eight percent of that hundred ninety two, that'd probably be like fifteen thousand. I'm guessing, right? I
3: might be doing right. that math. Right yeah, now. yeah, cl- close enough for government work, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. So. So that's that's where that's where you would receive you know that capital. Now you would that is you selling some of your stock, so your total value would go from the one ninety two down to, you know one one what 70, 77. But the reality is, yeah, that that's where you would make that money.
3: Okay. Um, but you can choose yeah. not to take that and let it still stay in there.
1: Yeah, and it, and then it compounds. Yeah.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. And then, how often do you guys do uh, your uh, audits?
1: So, yeah, good question. So we do an annual audit every single year, and that's the big, the big one. Um, and then mid-year, it's not a full-blown audit, but mid-year we have to submit all our books and our financials to our, to our auditors and, and how our, our SOPs, right, for operating the business. And then they go through that, and they basically you know, give us the thumbs up, like everything's on track. You guys are, on, are doing things the right way, um, and you're in process. So we do the once-a-year annual audit, and then the six-month, the biannual check, check-in. So can we're actually checking in with our audit? We're actually checking in with our auditors on a pretty, almost a monthly basis. If we have questions on how we're handling something or how we're doing something right. I didn't grow up in an accountant, right? It's not one of my, my great geniuses. So I tend to let the accountants handle, handle the accounting.
3: Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Can I ask a question?
1: Fire away, Karen.
2: Okay. Thanks. So what you just said is the increase in the stock But then I still hear this coming back to this 8% that each year you will divvy out an 8% or is that just how much the stock went up?
1: So the stock went up, let's say for 2021 over over 30%, right? What we offered out was an ability to immediately access your capital. So one of the cons, right, of a non-traded public REIT is people say hey well i want immediate access to my capital and with the way real estate is you know we give people access to capital with you know the six month lead time to withdraw right and so what i did with distributions is i just want to give people more access to their capital more times per year to get access to capital and so eight percent you know with us being you know roughly 43 million you know um of capital that has been invested from our investors 8% Eight percent creates like a three point two million dollar exposure for us, right? As 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 a company, and so you know we have to make sure we have the capital and the cash to be able to honor that distribution. So what it's for me, it's giving you guys access to your money, and so that that's the reason I do do the distribution, is to just give you more windows to to pull some of your money um, as we're making such good returns. I, part of the benefit is being able to get your money if you want it, right? So, so you
2: did an eight percent distribution actually yes. back to like say if i had um a thousand shares which Mm -hmm. would be like twenty thousand dollars or so now right Right. and that would buy about a thousand shares so if i had a thousand shares you so that would only grow if that if that share went up a dollar each and i had a thousand of them i would just make a thousand dollars is that right um So, but, but, but on the um, 20,000 I've invested, then the 8%, or uh, where does, how does that 8% play? It's just
1: giving you, it's giving you the ability to, to sell 8% of your shares. That's the, that's the way to look at it.
2: Oh, so literally you will go down in shares if I take that. Too. And it, so it's I me thought saying it was you, eight,
1: you. I'll buy I, I'll buy eight percent of your shares right now. Is what it's 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 me saying to you. Okay. So if you had a hundred thousand dollars, you know you let's say you invested eighty and it grew to a hundred thousand dollars, and I offer an eight percent distribution, then you would have access to eight thousand dollars. You could go ahead and make a pull with. And I just wanted to give our investors more more ability to their capital, more ability to have access to it.
2: Hmm.
1: Can I ask you a Karen question? Yeah, I've always wanted to ask a Karen this question, with the way the world the world calls like certain people Karen. How does that feel as a Karen?
2: <laughs> well, I have thought about bringing. I think we should bring like a total. Uh, what is it? A class A civil lawsuit? <laughs> <laughs> Defamation.
1: Yeah. everyone with the name Karen.
2: Yeah, right. That's what I think. Um, because are you going to sue uh, your parents? <laughs> no it's because well isn't that kind of being uh racial hey you know to all karens and that it's everybody feels like today nobody should right. be racial no matter what but anyway but um maybe we do have um strong leadership I know everybody as,
1: as soon as you were ready to ask the question everybody was thinking is is this going to be a karen type question <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah so maybe we do have strong leadership abilities maybe that's
1: there you go (laughs) good so let's let's open it up to any anybody else otherwise we're gonna wrap up for the night i'm on the past the time that i would say i was gonna go for everybody but if you're on you're enjoying it right
2: so that's called the r-e-i-t right yes that's that's what we're talking about yes how do we get to watch this video because i missed the first half of it
1: well, way to go. That's terrible. You should be very dis- No, We will email it, mail it out to all of you. Uh, we'll post a link out on socials so that, so that you can watch it for sure.
2: So did you, I missed the first part too. I'm at work, but it was that first part about rad.
0: I
1: missed it too. Well, that's okay. We, we did a lot of content about how we're choosing our locations for properties. Uh, it was a little bit of the, the art and science behind how rad chooses and how we create, you know, find our rad zone to invest. Um, and, and, you know, the person who asked um, why are we better than competitors? I guess go back and watch the first 30 minutes of the video and understand why we invest in a rad zone. You know, I give you a great example. I saw a competitor recently buy a brand new, um, you know, industrial slash warehouse property in the Arizona area. And he said, it's because he thinks e-commerce they, in their description, right. They said they think cause e-commerce is really going and and. air, Scott, the Scottsdale area is is a great area right and when you look at that decision they bought a property right after a builder was done building it which is the worst time for you really to 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 buy commercial property because you're going to pay max price and max retail um the just because e-commerce is growing doesn't mean that in buying industrials there's just a whole lot of bad decisions and they'll buy that property it'll make a five percent cap rate return for the next two to three years and if it grows a little bit in and the income from the leases and the thing, maybe it'll make seven to ten percent return a year, but not not a not a great buy, right? And and I just look at some of the the, the their thinking behind the reason they make real estate decisions, and and they don't get it. Um, but they have a lot of money, and they look for places to store money, and um, that's why an investor like me can go in and, and do some of the things that I do because there's when you start from scratch, there's things that you understand um, that people you know, that, that have a hundred million dollars, the first time they make an investment don't just won't understand. Um, Cause we couldn't afford to make mistakes when we were first getting started and, and first doing real estate.
2: Um, so are you doing that another project like you did in Idaho or not? Is that a, can you invest in that? Or is that a part of this?
1: So our Idaho property is a part of this. Um, it's a 2000 acre farm. Um, right. Well, it's multiple multiple farms combined into one two thousand acre. It's actually twenty eight hundred uh, acres now. So we added an additional eight hundred and sixty two acres that we closed on March thirty first, um, and and so it's twenty eight hundred acres of farmland that we own in Idaho. Um, we sold off one hundred sixty acres for a five hundred thousand dollar profit in December, um, which was which was really cool. And so you know we are continually investing in farmland. Our estimated you know, revenue this year would be $1.2 million uh, from the farmland in Idaho. Last year, it made $40,000. Um, so big difference in income and, and, and revenue that we're producing on that farmland. We are supposed to close. Today is the 6th, so on the 10th, we're supposed to close on uh, over 1,000 acres in Tennessee um, for, for another, another farm project. And we just went under contract last Friday um, for another 1,000 acres in Georgia. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're very much expanding our farmland oh, investing.
2: So I was actually, but so many things had happened in my life right then, like, cause my husband had passed away, different things. So I was wanted to invest in that. And then because of, um, trying to obey family, I didn't get to in uh, Idaho. Um, so here I am still around, but, um, just because I was kind of led that way and um, believed in that but so these others you I know I could have done that back then and wish that I had but by the time I got back to it that wasn't possible but um, so what I'm asking is these others are they going to be that's where we can buy into it or is it not or how is that
1: um, I think each property is different, right? There's always ways for inner circle members to join into deals, right, and join into transactions. Um, everybody invests in it when they're a part of Rad Reit, right? Because um, we're buy we're buying it in in the reit. Um, when we open mm-hmm. up RAD Land, which will open up this summer, you will have the ability to, and in, invest in, in that as well. And my condolences, um, for your husband. Um, you know, we yeah. learned today that a, another one of our you know inner circle members passed passed away um, today, and and that's you know it's every mm-hmm. time it happens it. You know and sometimes we don't even know when it, that it's this happened to one of our investors so my my mm-hmm. condolences for sure karen so
0: so, so yeah. you said in a few days uh the, the stock price is going to change yes uh so so time in time in the market is always the best thing right so what happens if i get into your rad today what would happen to my stock price it's what I, um, what, I, what your website yeah, currently says.
1: yeah jay jay you're asking me a question that's very dangerous right so you know <laughs> I've had conversations with the SEC. I've had conversations with FINRA, right? Um, And and all positive, you know, very positive. And I have to be very careful about what I say, right? So our stock price will change. I can't tell you whether it's going to go up or it's going to go down. All I can say is, you know, past performance does not indicate future performance. But I can say that we've done a lot of things right. And we're working our butts off to continue to do a lot of things right. And that's as deep and as far as I can go into that conversation.
0: Gotcha. Mm Hmm.
1: Uh-huh. If I haven't if i say the wrong thing right there this thing is recorded and <laughs> i you would be amazed that you know the last time i had a conversation with finner i think they knew more about the company than 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 a lot of our investors or 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 even our employees do right they pay attention and and i'm also want i want to you know do with the way they want us to do it right i don't come from wall street i'm not a wall street guy and so you know a lot of the compliance things i've had to learn over the years and we have a compliance department for a reason and If I said the wrong thing right here, I'd probably be getting a text message and say, take that back right in the middle of this call. So I'm pretty careful about, about those things and, and anything about, you know, the future of RAD is all I can tell you is we're doing things the right way and we're going to continue to do things the right way and continue to take care of people as best we can.
2: So with that, um, I do, I, I looked at the papers before when I was really wanting to be a part of the inner circle and um that's one thing that i would love to see is like the papers that were sent out because i wasn't going to be doing what you had done before like the trainings and stuff in that way like going to try to pick it out myself and everything um but that's what the papers that i was going to sign look like i don't know i don't know if we can address what i would I mean I don't being know I able to read the papers because when my f- lawyer family looked over it it was just it was i w- I was having a hard time with
1: just like I for what, to what be i would more say clear. is I, I don't know what i'm going to be able to help you with that conversation on this call but i, just, I, I, don't, just,
2: I don't i don't i don't think you should yeah i would, I would just it. get
1: with one of our team and let them do their best to hold, hold your hand through it right um one of the things that's pretty cool is right diversified hired its first you know, ever in-house counsel um, that that starts in a few weeks. We've always outsourced all of our legal right to to different attorneys. And all, and all I can say to you is, you know, uh, over the years we we just do. You know, when it comes to contracts or it comes to paperwork, yeah. it's 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 always just you know what lawyers create. You know, and um, you know we do our fair best always to you know keep those things. How do I put it? As as equally balanced win-win as we can because you can do those things very one-sided on either side so we, we we do our best to play the middle There'll um, be some-
2: talk about that yeah,
1: yeah but, but one of our they have changed over the years too so maybe just get with one of our team and and they can they can help you through that with that said it's 8 30 i'm gonna go be a dad my kids will be asleep in less than 30 minutes and i'm gonna go eat some food because i am hungry and i might even be getting hangry and it's all chris higgins <laughs> fault as he waves at us i'm just kidding chris um but <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys all soon uh god bless have thank a good night you. thank right.
2: you God uh, bless.
3: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have
0: a question. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rad Podcast, an exploration okay. of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing.